Welcome, everyone. Today, we're back again with our new podcast series, What's New in Arch Lou, which will highlight the people and ministries of the Archdiocese of Louisville, which is the Catholic Church of Central Kentucky. I'm Brian Reynolds. I'm the Chancellor with the Archdiocese, and I'm serving as host today. We join us each month as we welcome new guests to discuss what's new in the Archdiocese and invite you to get involved as you deepen your own engagement and information about your Catholic faith. This program is brought to you by the Archloop Podcasts Network. Now, we have a special guest today, as we'll have each, each edition. We are talking to Richard Tink Guthrie, who serves as the Vice Chancellor for the Archdiocese. And as part of his responsibilities, he has served as the Dawson Coordinator for the Holy See's Synod on Synodality, which led the local church, and he led this local church through this process as has happened across the world. Now, you're going to hear more about that in a few minutes, but let's talk about Tink first and ask him a little bit to share about himself. He's a native of Bardstown and has been with the Archdiocese for 11 years. He and his wife, Lucia, have four grown daughters and are members of the Basilica of St. Joseph's Proto-Cathedral in Bardstown. So welcome, Tink. Thank you. Good to be here. Glad you're here. Now, let's start by having the opportunity to introduce yourself, a little bit about more about your background, um, and so our audience can know more about you. Uh, and then we'll ask you a few more things. Sure, sure. Uh, well, uh, born and raised uh, in Bardstown in a large Catholic family. Uh, locally there, uh, 12 years of Catholic education between uh, elementary and high school. Uh, toward the latter part of those 12 years, met uh, my future wife, Lucia, as you noted, and um, got married at 22, moved out west for about eight years before coming back to this area in the mid-90s where we uh, raised our four daughters. And uh Professionally, uh, was 28 years in the healthcare profession, uh, doing consulting to hospitals on Medicare and Medicaid regulatory matters. Uh, from, from there, uh, began my ministry in the Archdiocese in 2011, first in uh, the role of strategic planning, then followed by mission advancement, and uh, now my current role as vice chancellor. Now, from that work in the medical field to, to work in the archdiocese can be a big shift. What, what led you to make that change? You know, it was, uh, uh, I was never far from my faith, uh, even in the medical profession. Um, but uh, at some point, it just felt right that, uh, that there could be a transitional point where I could, I could spend the time um, that I was working professionally doing ministry instead of ministry being kind of on the side and, and as available. Let's make this the priority. So it was a, it was a long-term process and it took a while to work through, but, but we got there. Well, we know how valuable you are to us, but you got to answer the question. I know the answer, but let's have our audience hear about it. <laughs> what are the duties of a vice chancellor? <laughs> well, it, it's uh, if if uh, if I wasn't sitting here in front of the chancellor, it might be the same <laughs> to do whatever the chancellor does not want to do. <laughs> but uh, realistically, it's uh, it's a combination of working in the archbishop's office on special projects and uh, um, different different items that may involve planning, research. Um, uh, Again, special projects. Mm -hmm. uh, the other, not half, but a significant part is involves uh, assisting and in, in serving parishes, whether it be pastors or parish councils or um, other leadership groups with initiatives or, or issues they're dealing with out at the parish level, sometimes schools. Very good. 
we could talk about that all day, but we have a really important topic I want to get to. Um, most Catholics would not be familiar with the concept of a synod and this, what's called the synodal process. A uh, little bit of history for folks. Since the Second Vatican Council, the, the, the various popes have regularly called a synod of bishops. These are meetings of bishops from around the world. And sometimes, as they prepare for these synods, they do... Uh, gathering of information from the local churches around the world or the local dioceses. So, what help us understand that better? What is the what is when we say a synodal process? What does that mean? Okay, it uh, well, it's interesting when this when this synod was first announced and, and being termed as a synod on synodality. Um, one of my first thoughts was who who at the Vatican is in charge of creative uh, writing and creative naming of something called a synod on synodality? Not only does it sound repetitive, but it even uses a term that most people outside of church may not even be familiar with. Sure, sure. So that's what that's what you're you're alluding to there. So uh, I had to look it up myself. The word synod is Greek um, and and basically comes back in one form or another to to the term of meaning journeying together. Mm-hmm. So uh, in this particular synodal process, it's a case of, uh, as you mentioned, the uh, typically it's, it's a refers to bishops assembling uh, maybe every three to four years. Um, the synodal process is a very uh, genuine dive into um, listening and dialogue. It's it's something that is uh, uh, very intentional in that. For this particular synodal process, Pope Francis uh, expanded the definition beyond the bishops to meaning uh, to inviting all of the baptized, all of the people of God around the world to participate in this particular process. Yeah. So tell, okay, tell us about what that process looks like, and we'll get mm-hmm. to specifically how it, what it looks like here in the archdiocese. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, in the, at, the, at the higher level, uh, it's very it, it's very counterintuitive to many of our uh, ways of thinking about gathering people, talking about uh, opportunities, challenges. When we do that, typically we immediately go to um, ideas about solutions, problem solving, actions. Um, and that's our nature. I, I'm speaking for myself, but I think that's true for for most. Uh, that is exactly what the synodal process is not. Uh, so again, what I would term counterintuitive. So it's much more what the process is is much more the um, sharing, the listening, and letting the Holy Spirit work within that process. It's uh, it's very much a uh, an exercise that we. We, we, we are much more in that listening, sharing, rather than solving. What's, but what's the importance of having people gathered to just listen to each other? Mm-hmm. Well, if it's true dialogue, it's, there's much greater learning that takes place okay. when, when you're able to do that, uh, that listening and sharing, particularly when those who are gathered are, um, represent diverse experiences, diverse views. The more diversity involved in that gathering, the more learning will take place when we're truly listening and not trying to um, always cite where, where we're coming from ourselves, but trying to understand more where others are coming from. So so what kind of gatherings happened here in the Archdiocese? Okay, well, in, in the Archdiocese, uh, uh, as, as all dioceses across the world were called to, um, to participate in this, uh, there were certain parameters that we were working with them, but for the most part, uh, dioceses were really permitted to kind of build a process that was um, 
conducive to their local context. In our case, in the local in our local diocese, we uh, we were convinced that th- for people to respond to this invitation, it would be most impactful if they hear the invitation from their local Catholic context, whether that be a parish, a uh, religious order, a school, whatever the case may be. So we really uh, made an emphasis on empowering those local Catholic um uh, presence in in our diocese to be the point of the hosting the gatherings to promote the gatherings and uh, and it, and it resounded people really I think f- have more of a comfort level with that whether they're already engaged and plugged in in those or whether they're on the periphery it's more of a local uh, um, hosting in our diocese the way we did the synodal process did lots of people respond oh oh yes it was it was very reassuring of course this is this is a an an unprecedented uh opportunity the it's a first of its kind from the uh holy see to uh ask all of the baptized to participate in something like this so we didn't know what to expect you know we basically took the premise from from the holy father to cast the net as wide as possible to make um invitations and welcoming as as known as possible, uh, but then having to let the Holy Spirit work within the process and trust that those who were meant to participate found a way to engage. So we, we, we did that. Um, we didn't know what to expect, but it was very reassuring the, uh, the, the feedback we were getting about uh, the number of locations, the number of, of host locations, the number of conveners and facilitators uh, was was embraced. And then the more they embraced it, the more they were able to, I think, convey that to the people at large to get them to come in and begin to understand the process and share in the process themselves. OK, so if I'm hearing you right, there's. Its importance was about dialogue and listening to each other. Uh, it's not just about numbers, but give us a sense for the, for our audience. Mm-hmm. How many people did this? Here? Sure. Uh, we, we we concluded all the listening sessions uh, by the end of May, okay. so they took place between the, the they took place between February and May in our archdiocese. Uh, ultimately, there were 120 in person listening sessions that were hosted. Wow. Uh, at those 120 sessions, uh, plus plus what we got from an online platform that we put uh, forward the final final month of May, uh, nearly 2,400 people uh, participated in the synodal listening and sharing. My goodness, uh, nearly 2,400, and that produced uh, the feedback we got produced over 600 pages of of synodal listening feedback. Oh. Now, I know you, you probably went to some of these. What, what, as people went in these listening sessions, conversation with each other, what kind of response did they have about getting into these topics? Yeah, it was fascinating because uh, much as we, as we knew would be the case, pretty much anyone who participated in this, whether as a host and a convener, a facilitator, or someone who participated, no one really knew what this was about per se because we, ha- we ha- really had no experience in doing something quite like this for the most part. So uh, those who came, came with, um, uh, we tried to prepare them as much as possible in advance, uh, but but they came with varying degrees of skepticism, of uncertainty, not knowing what this is about. But definitely, since it was the Holy Father's invitation to participate, that resounded. So they were oftentimes coming because this was an invitation from the Pope. Give, give us a sense of topic areas, because it, it sounds like this could be a big debate. 
Right. And, and we and we 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 were concerned about that and, and tried to um, prepare conveners ahead of time. So we, we don't we didn't want the sessions to become a complaint session and to spiral down. So um, there was there were there were questions that conveners could um, select from that kept the the participants focused on the, their own experience of church, their own stories, their dreams and their concerns. We wanted to, you know, certainly we need to hear the concerns. So uh, areas were things like uh, who, who, who do we, what voices do we not listen to um, in the church or outside the church? What are the, the, again, the hopes for the, for your hopes for the church? What have been your experiences of church? So we kept, by keeping it at the personal level, it really allowed anyone to come, uh, whether they were highly engaged in their faith, disengaged, or somewhere in between, uh, because they could come in talking about this from their own perspective, from their own experiences, from family members. They didn't have to be steeped in catechesis. They didn't have to be steeped in theology. Um it was, it was, to some degree, it was a great leveler where anyone could come in and have a firsthand perspective to be able to share that others were going to listen to and, and appreciate. So you, people got to hear stories, got to share their own experiences, hopes, um, some good, some bad, probably, or painful or joyful experiences. Um, at the end of the process, what happens? Do we have a report now? Yes. So the, uh, the process itself uh, was designed to um, Again, as I mentioned earlier, cast the net as wide as possible, get the greatest amount of participation possible. The pro the synodal process is at its best when it has the widest participation. So uh, the 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 Holy See in, in Rome had had put the um, uh, the stipulation that among uh, all this activity and gathering. Uh, there had to, at the end, be what was called a synthesis report, and this synthesis, as determined by the Vatican, was a maximum of 10 pages. So uh, we knew, before we even knew what, how this was going to unfold, we were pretty certain that would be a challenge. And uh, uh, Help me with this. You, you, several thousand people, <laughs> and you've got to summarize their experiences in 10 pages. Or less. Okay. We were pretty certain it was going to be 10. <laughs> and, uh, and keep in mind, it was 600 pages of input, and, and yeah. this input was not 600. Some of this, much of this input was um, coming from group sessions, the group listening. So there's one uh, report of, say, four pages that represented 35 people that attended. When... Um, all this came in. We we literally um, read every word of every report that came in. So everyone's input was read and prayerfully considered uh, in in discerning what would go in ultimately into a ten page synthesis. Uh, we, we don't have time to to uh, go through all the items, but can you give us a couple highlights on the report? Sure. The uh, the the topics were ranged. Um, the spectrum of, of, of things that we would certainly have expected uh, to things that were less expected. Some things that we would have expected came in much, much more loud and clear than we anticipated. But most of these, most of these, uh, we ultimately were able to discern fit within four primary themes oh, good. in various ways. Uh, the first one being uh, ordained leadership. Uh, second being engagement a third being inclusive inclusion and welcoming 
and then a fourth of polarization. So those are those are not perfect theme per se, but ver- various topics clearly could fit within those. So um, as an example, under the ordained leadership, um, uh, vocations was loud and clear. It was very, very prevalent. And that largely acknowledged the fact that we are challenged to uh, have more vocations, but uh, but it really went more toward the um, topic of married priests and of women being um, in ordained ministry. So that was that was fleshed out and very very common to to read that. I can imagine that got lots of different points of view in that conversation alone. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, yes, sure. yes, and uh, and healthy. But again, when it was done and it, as it largely was with. With the synodal process of sharing and listening, it was done in a very healthy way, even when there were um, opposing or alternate views within the same group of listening. How about one more, one more topic? What more, one, one more theme? You got ordination, and what's what's another theme? Maybe youth and young adults oh. engage engagement in in the faith life. Yeah. Uh, everything from mass to catechesis to um, um, their their activities within the church. They're being present um, within the church. Okay, now what happens now? What happens? You've done this report. You've sent it to the Holy See. The Holy See is getting these reports from all over the world. What help me know the next steps? Okay, we have, uh, as you mentioned, at the time of of this um, air, uh, uh, gathering right now, we just submitted our ten page document to the USCCB. Okay. Uh, that concludes for us what's known as the diocesan phase. The uh, the, the Synod on Synodality has three phases, the diocesan, the continental, and the universal phases. So now um, we'll move into the continental phase with the USCCB. Um, before I get to that, we will be um, uh, posting our 10-page document on our website. Uh, beginning with this podcast, we'll be promoting people to um, – to visit and read and reflect on that document. So it'll be, it's very much will be in the public um, domain to be able to accessed by the public and, and read. We want to have full disclosure on what that report was. Uh, But now that it's with the USCCB, it goes into the continental phase where all of the diocese of the United States will be um, read and reviewed these reports. And ultimately the, that phase will produce a document from um, the United States that will go to to Rome to be um, used from the other continents and the other countries in the Senate of Bishops in October of 2023. Okay, so it's a collecting and filtering down into one sense of the themes from around the world that Catholics are concerned about. Cor- correct. And it's, again, it's millions of voices around the world ultimately being blended together to see what the Holy Spirit is um, calling us as a church to to be in the mission of the church in the third millennium. So we're back to the title of Synod on Synodality, a journey as everybody comes together to, to look at the church together. Very good. Very yes, good. very good. Okay, now what's going to happen locally? What? How do you think this process will, will benefit us, or has it already benefited us as a, yeah. as a local diocese? Yeah, good good question, and the answer will be both. Okay. Um, first, it, it is, a, is a noted, it's already um, brought nearly 2,400 people together in dialogue on their Catholic faith. I mean, that's just, that's just remarkable. So it has accomplished that already. Uh, It has already secondly accomplished uh, these groups, many of them uh, naming and identifying that they hope this is the beginning of the dialogue for their local um, venue rather than the end. 
So even though this was the the first they'd done of this, and and they knew that this was all that was being asked at the current time, they named uh, oftentimes that they hoped that this was a beginning rather than an end. So to that to that point, we have um, uh, created a a a, a reflection. Uh, list of reflection questions, 10 reflection questions that will be available for any of these organizations or groups to go back in um, either with the same people or with new people, however they want to do it, to reconvene and, and, and talk about any number of these 10 reflection questions that have come out of this synod and the synthesis report in particular um, to continue that dialogue. I know we talked about it before we started the show today that this is all going to be available on the webpage of the Archdiocese. So this, the report and the questions, right? Correct. That'd yes, be great. That, is, that is correct. Right. Uh, Tink, let me ask you this because you, you've been at this for a number of months. You've been the person closest to it, uh, organizing, getting the material out, uh, reading all of these reports <laughs> <laughs> and helping to synthesize those into our 10 page example. Can you talk a little more personally uh, for for Tink Guthrie? What 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 was your what does it mean to you as a Catholic having seen all this? Hmm. Well, it was uh, it it was for me personally. It uh, in hindsight, of course, when this all began in the fall of 2021, when Archbishop Kurtz, who was here at the time, asked me to serve in this role of uh, the coordinator of the Synod. Of course, when he asked me, my answer was yes. Then I had to figure out what did that, what did I just agree to? <laughs> uh, so in hindsight now, with the benefit of this hindsight, it, uh, this process has, has truly been a blessing for me, uh, to have journeyed with these, the faithful these past eight months. Um, and I don't say that lightly. It truly has been a blessing. And, and I think it will, um, it will actually uh, help me in my own ministry, um, to have been part of that sharing. So that, that's, that's very impactful. Uh, I do want to say that uh, in the midst of all this, both for myself and for those who uh, participated or who will continue to participate going forward, um, it is important for us to to make sure we check what uh, check our expectations and keep it keep it reasonable as to what is um, really can, can come of this, because some of the things uh, discussed, well, all of it was very personal and very um impactful. Uh, some elements of it, we just will have l- limited, if any, ability to um, to affect change at the local level, but other parts we will. So, uh, and some of the, some of these things will take time, much time versus some of it maybe being in the shorter, shorter fr- uh, time frame. So it, again, it's, it's a more, it's, there's some degree I want to, all of us to be able to remember to check our expectations, to keep it uh, realistic and what, where this goes longer term. So much of what was um, shared to us, uh, people asked about what will what will come of this, and we said, well, with this this we will have learnings at the diocesan level, parishes will have learnings at the parish level, and the faithful will have learnings themselves. But ultimately, this these voices and what's on our hearts will go to the Vatican to the Synod of Bishops, and if if this process is done well, and we truly honor the process all the way through, there should be echoes. Of the stories that they have told, well, th- they projected their stories, and ultimately those should echo back to us, whether it be from the parishes, the diocese, or the Holy See, with things down the road. But like anything else, that echo takes time to travel, and that's part of 
um, what Pope Francis in a previous statement had mentioned that the synodal process is is a is a process of patience with the Holy Spirit, not um, to be expecting immediate outcomes and results. So it's not a worldwide vote on topics. It's a listening to each other and then uh, being assured of the guidance of the Holy Spirit, how we as a Catholic church can move forward. How's that, that for a summary? That uh, that would be spot on. All right. Well done. Uh, were you surprised at anything? Uh, oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. There were there were probably overall fewer surprises than I might have anticipated. Uh, the, some of the surprises were the the magnitude, the frequency of uh, of some of the of the topics that came up. We knew certain talks would come up, but the frequency okay. was was of a surprise. Um, there were surprises. Uh, just as one example, uh, the term in one way or another, the term of a church that's that the people saw as judging in in a a, a church that that, that judge with a passing judgment judging people Th- these were th- this was a term that i very much was surprised about but i began to see and and it was some would interpret church positions as judging others would say what's the church position trying to educate others or point out or direct um attention to something rather than judging but to those who who cited it as judging that's that's their perception and that might that, that may very well be real but um, that was that particular term was one of the things that really jumped out at me that uh, was an insight for me I got I got one last question for you uh, it's somewhat a little bit personal too your own hope your own hope as you've been through this it would be um, the church is, as a whole across across the world. Of course, there's hopes there, but 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 bringing it more more local to the archdiocese, my hope would be that this has unleashed something, and and I do believe I saw uh, elements of it. This has unleashed something of people who who are clearly naming a desire to re-engage with one another with um with those that are that are on the periphery those that have that have have um gone other directions the polarization the 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 differences there my hope will be that this process while not being a solution will be a step in uh, maybe even a catalyst in helping bring our diocese and the people back into um, shared worship, shared liturgy, shared understandings, and 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 patience and acceptance within the various groups. Very good. Well, first of all, thank you, thank you for two things. Number one, for for coordinating the synod on synodality. This is a historic event for our diocese, those thousands of people, and for the Church of the World. So we thank you for leading us through the process here, and thank you for coming on. What's new with Arch Lou? So that you can help us learn as a church together about things. And we thank you, our listening and viewing audience, for being with us. And tune in again in the future as we have more podcasts coming your way so you can further engage in the life of the Archdiocese of Louisville.